Hello and welcome to Elgarma the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and today I am joined by Introduce Yourself. Hi, I'm Christy Rothrock, and uh, you might know me as my most recent role. I am Ilulu in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, and also uh, Rosie from Universe 2 and Dragon Ball Super. Those are like the two biggest ones I think that people know me for. <laughs> Yeah, and um, yeah, it's another anime episode, so get ready Yo. for anime discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Which can get pretty weird sometimes. I mean, there have been moments in the booth where I'm at Funimation and they say, all right, well, this happens because anime. <laughs> okay, uh, you mentioned you did Dragon Ball. Did you ever have to go in there and do the Dragon Ball scream? No, Rosie never went Saiyan, but she did fight both Goku and Vegeta, so that was pretty fun. And it was a lot of, like, fighting. And what's interesting about fighting anything, or even doing, like, big screams like that, is um, it makes you really, really hot. And so you have to just dress in layers when you go record anything that's going to be intense like that. So for anything I was recording for Dragon Ball, it was going to be intense because it's the Tournament of Power arc. And so everyone's just fighting everybody. And so I'm, like, wearing, like, a sweater, but then I have to, like, peel it off. And then I have, like, a hoodie and I peel it off because it just keeps—or start pouring sweat because it just takes so much energy. Yeah, I heard stories about, uh, what was it, Sean Charmel passing out from doing the scream back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. It takes a lot to, you got to dig deep for that kind of scream. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, uh, what was it, on Twitter, I think uh, Chris Sabat mentioned, like, he posted a clip of Vegeta screaming and said, like, this was, this was me at my limit, folks. This was me pushing myself at my absolute limit. But I had to because, you know, it's Vegeta, and you can't half-ass it when it comes to Vegeta. Oh, absolutely not, no. Yeah, that's, it, w it wouldn't sound like Vegeta if you did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, you know, speaking of, like, the wonders of anime and voiceover in general, let's just get right to the most boring question imaginable. How did you get started? <laughs> um, I ended up, well, first off, uh, I was at Cornball in the third grade that, like, whenever we were little kids, the third grade was, like, the starting point of, like, okay, now you can start, like, doing little class plays and stuff. And everybody, I feel like well, most people anyway, aside from the people who ended up being pretty extroverted and stuff, were just like, oh, no, we got to sing in front of people. And I'm like, ha-ha, this is my moment. And so I'm like third grade Christy already into acting. And so I took it all through high school, and then I ended up uh, minoring in it in college, um, took a few, you know, per, uh, like personal acting lessons, and then finally what ended up happening um, was uh, Kristen McGuire, she's a friend of mine, and she actually called me, and uh, she said, hey, Sunny Strait is having a voiceover ADR uh, workshop, uh, specifically focusing on ADR. And uh, I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should take it, maybe I shouldn't, it's you know, it's money I should be saving for something else, maybe. And I called my boyfriend, and he goes, you are dumb if you don't do that. And I'm like, okay. So I ended up doing it, and he was right. Um, because about a year and a half later, I was in the middle of Allen Outlet Mall. And voice acting has been something I've wanted to do ever since I was so young. So I was in the middle of Allen Outlet Mall, and I ended up um, getting a call. And I was like, Sonny, is this a butt dial? Like, Sonny's calling me? It was like over a year and a half later. And so I answered, and he said, hey, I'm directing the show, and I was wanting to know if you wanted to come in and record, like, bit parts for it and voila. And the show ended up being Servant. And uh, I said, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll be free next week for sure. And he was like, great, cool, I'll have Tara schedule you. And Tara, the talent coordinator at Funimation, 
And once I hung up the phone, I mean, I kept it together on the phone, but once I hung up on the phone, I was in the middle of Allen Outlet Mall in July, just, just bawling my eyes out. And my sister was with me and she said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, I, I was like, I couldn't breathe and I couldn't tell her. And I was like, don't worry, it's good. And I kept on crying. She was like, okay, that's fine. As long as it's good, you're good. Let's just, uh, I'll wait. And so <laughs> that's what it ended up being. And then finally I came in and recorded and, uh, all my, all my hamminess and acting paid off because apparently I've tricked people into thinking I'm a good actor there from them on out. Well, I mean, that's, that's the secret of voiceover kids. It's like, just fake it till you make it really. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say fake it. I would say, you know, do your work and everything. Don't go in faking it because the, it'll show if you're faking it. But at the very least, um, you know, just uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, I would say um, remain a fraud. That's what Sonny has told me before, which means be humble, you know, stay feeling like you're privileged for having the job that you do, because I am very privileged to have the job that I do. And so I, I consider that quote unquote being a fraud because I messaged him one day and I said, Sonny, I don't know what to do about this because this feeling won't go away. I'm getting attention for all these things, but I don't feel like I deserve it because I don't feel like I've like, I don't feel like I'm worthy of all of this. And he said, well, I, you're not going to like this answer, but that feeling doesn't go away. And I was like, actually, I do kind of like that answer because coming from somebody like Sonny, I thought, okay, well, I mean... If Sonny feels it, then that means if I'm feeling it, it's it's fine. But even if it doesn't go away, that means it's at least normal. And he says, you know, I'm still afraid one of these days I'm going to get found out. And he goes, but, you know, just remain a fraud and you'll be good. And so that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I do still live in that fear of like, oh, one of these days they're going to realize they made a mistake. But then I thought, nah, just remain a fraud. So that's kind of where I, what I took away from it anyway. And how was it like... Because I know everyone's experience is different, but how was it for you getting into the booth and getting used to the whole, you know, beeps and, and mouth movements and lip flaps and all that wonderful stuff that's associated with anime dubbing? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> well, let's just say I wasn't good at it at first. Um, yeah, fitting the flaps is definitely a, a unique thing. And luckily, before that, I had taken Sonny's ADR workshop, um, which, by the way, I'm not like, <laughs> I know I've mentioned it a lot, but it's just like where I got my start. So um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful workshop, and I do recommend it. Um, I just don't want anyone to get under the wrong impression that like taking that workshop means you're going to get in at Funimation. Everyone's story inside is a completely different one. So that just happened to be mine. Um, but anyway, so luckily I had taken that workshop, and uh, it kind of prepared me for that beep stuff and like how to uh how to go into these while still matching the flaps while still acting and everything and it was really really hard at first and uh, the best way that I've heard it described is that you are uh voicing a puppet but somebody else is moving the mouth and that's more or less what it feels like but as I got more booth experience as I got you know a little bit more of my roles behind my belt it Got, it gets a lot easier, especially whenever um, you do it line by line, because that way you can really concentrate on like when the pauses are and how long sentences are and stuff. And so uh, watching the Japanese first and hearing the beeps is definitely a huge help for me, obviously. And uh, after I started getting used to it, 
I just hit a point where I was like, okay, this is comfortable now. So it's not a, it's a thing that takes a while to learn, but once you have it, you have it. And when did, when did you get, you know, comfortable enough to say, okay, I'm ready enough to take on the more challenging roles? Well, uh, that's, it's hard to, to, to say that because the problem is, is it is not necessarily up to me to decide whether, what roles I'm ready for and which ones I'm not. It's up to the directors. But as far as, like, matching mouth flaps and everything, uh, I feel like maybe about a year in of regular work was whenever I started being like, okay, this feels better to fit the flaps. And now at this point, I do still mess up. I mean, there I'm a really naturally, I'm sure you've heard, I'm really naturally fast talker. And so I... Um, I tend to just hit the gas and I love it. Inman, Jeremy Inman, he directs me and he's like, slow it down radio. And I'm like, I know, I know because I work at a radio station and I got to hit that 30 on those commercials. And so, uh, and so I'm always talking way too fast, but once I kind of learned how to like pace myself and like fit the character, um, it didn't get, it wasn't as hard. Now, as far as like, you know, starting to book bigger roles, I would say, um, you know, I, my, everything started kind of picking up for me back in 2018. That's whenever I started kind of, uh, getting a few more roles. That was, uh, I had just taken, uh, quite a few more acting lessons and everything, a couple of workshops and stuff, and they really did pay off. I do feel good about them. And I feel like that's whenever I started booking more auditions. That's whenever I started, uh, booking beefier roles. Speaking of beefier roles, let's just get right into the role you're mostly known for the reason. Well, I'm pretty sure the reason most people are probably listening to this to begin with, because, you know, let's be honest, you know, uh, she is quite beefy <laughs> among <Yeah>. other things. <laughs> they, they, they're my flame sacks. Okay. <laughs> Um, how did you get involved in Dragon Maid season two? Um, I was sent the audition through, um, uh, just the normal emails that, uh, Tara, again, casting, uh, talent coordinator, uh, sends out. She sends out the auditions. Um, I recorded my auditions, sent it in, and then ended up, I guess maybe like a week-ish later, got a text from Tara saying, hey, are you available to record for Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid um, episode? I think they call it like 201 because it was season 201 um, on this time, this time, and this time. And I said, yeah. And then that's whenever I realized, I was like, oh crap, I did I book this audition? And it turns out I did. And uh, yeah, it more or less just went like any other uh, audition as far as just, you know, doing your best, standing in the closet, taking your best takes, and then sending and crossing your fingers. And how was it like going into the booth for the first time and just seeing, <laughs> seeing Lulu for the first time? Well, fortunately, the casting uh, sides did have a picture of her on them. But uh, I also did watch, like, some of it in uh, the Japanese just to kind of give an, get an idea of, like, even though I don't speak a word of Japanese, uh, I, you know, can at least, it, it's like music, you know, you can tell when music's sad, um, even if you don't understand the lyrics, or even if there's no lyrics, it's kind of like that. So I could hear her, that she was, and like, based on her character design and everything, I could hear that she was kind of, like, snarky and everything. And at least at the beginning, she's actually a complete sweetheart. She's just a little clueless about how humans work sometimes. 
And uh, yeah, so I had watched like the trailer and stuff like that. So luckily, you know, going in and seeing her for the first time as far as being her voice actor, it was not the first time that I saw her. So I kind of knew what I was going for. But as far as like seeing her on the sides the first time, I was like, well, bam, like, look at those. <laughs> and I got to ask, is is uh, Lulu the reason why your Twitter account is, 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 is flagged as not safe for work? Is it? Yeah, because like when I tried to look look looked you up on Twitter, it says like warning: this account <laughs> contains what? stuff that's not safe for work. No yeah, wait, that's insane! Oh my gosh, I did not know that. I, I, that's weird. Okay, um, I need. I, I guess that's good to know. That stinks. I mean, I don't want people to have limited access to my Twitter because I really don't post anything in SFW ever. I mean, I heck, I already I hardly cuss on Twitter. <laughs> No, but I mean, because I was wondering, like, because when I looked you up on Twitter, I, I'm like, why is her account labeled, you know, not safe for work? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lulu is probably it, to be truthful. Um, I did retweet a couple of cosplayers and naturally with Lulu's design has a tendency to lean closer to NSFW. So I guess maybe that's what it was, but I had no clue that my Twitter account was flagged as NSFW because aside from that, like, I, I'm also working with the radio station and everything. So my, like, public profiles, I don't even, like, I hardly cuss on them. I don't, like, do anything. Like, I, I don't, I hardly post anything that's, like, NSFW on my Twitter. So I guess that's got to be it. That's so weird. I need to look into that later. Because I was having, a, I bring this up because I was having a conversation with someone regarding, you know, their posts getting flagged on, on Twitter, and I was just kind of worried because I'm like, well, what if I commission you to draw something in, and, and Twitter like flags it as not safe for work, and then no one sees it, and then, you know. yeah, well, and that's yeah, that's frustrating too, um, especially I don't know, I feel like part of it's like an algorithm of some sort. I'm not really sure because I don't know if you've been on Discord or not. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you are, but I, I know there's a, an animal group that my friends and I have where we just share cute animal pictures and it's not marked as NSFW cause it's just animal pictures. But if you post a picture of a Sphinx cat, it registers as skin to discord. And it's like, this isn't not an NSFW chat. You cannot post this picture. So maybe it's got something to do with that. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. maybe they just see the, you know, giant taters of a Lulu and then think that I'm posting NSFW stuff. No, but um, I, I, it's it's funny because I, I remember one time one of my posts got flagged as not safe for work because I was replying to someone who made a joke about God, what was that anime? Uh, the the sports anime where they where the girls fight with Keijo. Uh, yeah, Keijo. <laughs> I, I, I I I responded with the image of the guy going, "Ah, oh, I see you're a man of culture as well." And Twitter marked that as not safe for work for some reason. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then you see some of the wildest stuff on Twitter not marked, and you're like, "Why though? Why?" <laughs> yeah, because I, I again I was having this conversation with someone, you know, via emails. Right. I'm like, you know, what can I commission you? Because I know you're more popular on Twitter and you want more interaction on Twitter. Because like, you know, Twitter Twitter is where it's at, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. I, I sometimes, you know, worry about like, you know, would would the algorithm flag what I commissioned to be not safe for work? You know, is this that's like frustrating? You know, yeah, if it's this... limiting, like who sees your stuff, that's really frustrating. Yeah, and and that's why, like, I try to keep it 
clean i mean even even back even back when i was on tumblr i would just like retweet like you know stuff Yeah. that's you know Well, apparently trying to do that doesn't even work anymore because I really have not posted crazy anything on my Twitter. I don't know. I, this is like the first I've learned of this. So that's really interesting and I'll have to look into it later. yeah because i was just curious i was like why is her account <laughs> whatever <laughs> because, yeah, yeah isn't this a fun conversation where it's like yeah we talk about like dragon maid for like a couple minutes and then it's like so why is your account like flagged on twitter <laughs> yeah, right. The, we're getting down to the real stuff here. no but but um how is it like you know because i i gotta ask this because you know as with anything you know her her design is very I, mean, I wouldn't say controversial because really like anything these days is quote unquote controversial because like there's always going to be someone complaining about it on Twitter or what have you. But like, how do you personally feel about her design? How do I personally feel about her design? Um, I mean, I think she's cute. I don't think that she's anywhere outside of the realm of what you would normally see in anime. I think she's extremely cute um, as far as like her disposition and everything goes. And as far as her design goes, I mean, I really don't want to necessarily... Uh, comment on it because a it's somebody else's design and I'm not you know in any place to critique anyone else's design but honestly I really do like it and I love her big old claws and I mean really it's anime so it's not the first time you've seen big old ones like that before <laughs> no I think she's wonderful and I really do love her design she's very cute I especially like her like evil villain cloak that's like my favorite outfit of hers Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's at least, uh, I mean, at least they tried to give her like an outfit that, that fits the, the fantasy, um, aesthetic, you know, I, I, Yeah, one of she my, definitely looks uh, like a like a meanie in that cloak for sure. like one of But my, then com she gets real cute. like one of my complaints about the first season was that, you know, the intro it introduces all these fantasy elements, but they just kind of go nowhere. It just becomes a slice of life show, which. I get it. I get it. It's a slice of life show, but at the same time, it's like, why even have, you know, these fantasy elements if you're not going to really, you know, go full aesthetic? I don't know. I like the idea of it, the concept of it, of um, fantasy creatures trying their very hardest to uh, blend in with human society and learn just how to, you know, uh, go about their day. And then also, of course, uh, uh, Toru and Miss Kobayashi, the adorableness between them and everything. I, I don't have a problem with it being a slice of life because, again, you know, it's a slice of life with a fantasy element added to it, which just kind of gives it that little... little push of being like, oh, this is, mm, this is cool. So even if they don't go hard into the dragon stuff, I do still really appreciate it. And I think um, it being considered a slice of life is accurate. And I get the feeling that if you're not a big fan of slice of life animes, then, you know, then maybe Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid isn't for you if you're not a fan of those, even if it does include, you know, the fantasy elements. It's a very anime thing, really, where, you know, they take these concepts and just, like, just go with it. <laughs> you Yeah, because unlike, you know, other parts of the world, you know, Japan... 
sees animation as a as a way to tell stories <laughs> instead of just hey let's limit it to children and if we're gonna market something to adults we're just gonna make it like really crude and 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 filled with like toilet humor and i'm just like mm, come on guys yeah i see what you're saying because uh, what was it i'm trying to think of like the first adult like quote unquote made for adult uh, animation of any kind that I can think of right off the top of my head is what was it sausage party was that the one with like uh now I can't remember his name uh oh my gosh the guy with the goofy laugh his uh name Seth totally... Rogen thank you yes yeah, Seth Rogen I remember the laugh um but that as far as like you know maybe I haven't seen Promare yet but um I'm actually watching it on Sunday and so maybe that's another one but I do feel like um, as far as like adult oriented animations with things like really hard hitting topics and things that are like very, very serious or depictions of like body horror and stuff like that. I feel like those stories are not told via animation as much in the United States as they are in Japan. That's why I'm, I'm shocked. Like primal got off the ground because it's just such a such a weird show <laughs> but i'm just happy that it got made to begin with because i'm like holy crap an adult animated series that's not a comedy i'm <laughs> sold <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah i i think it, it just kind of bothers me but but you know we're starting to see a change in that thankfully because i think that, you know more studios are realizing you know after you know invincible became a huge hit that they're starting to realize wait a minute adults want to watch stuff that's you know serious when it comes yeah, to yeah we want to watch stuff that's serious and animation can go anywhere i mean animation can go far 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 into the surreal even whenever you're talking about stuff like uh pink floyd's the wall and everything i mean that's a perfect example of adult oriented animation that and uh was it heavy metal that's another one that's made for adults and it's very very sci-fi um and so I feel like those are great examples, but those are few and far in between. I just kind of miss, like, you know, you bring up heavy metal and, and, you know, while that movie isn't, you know, what I would consider, you know, good, it, it is it is an interesting movie to go back and watch because it is very experimental and, and they took a chance on it. And it's, did, a weir- yes. it's a weird movie and... And I think I only liked like one segment, which was the Stern segment, and that was it, really. No, outside honestly, of that, I can't remember much of it because the last time I watched it was whenever I was, I think, in like high school, which was two thousand five. So, uh, don't remember much about it. I just remember one of the characters looked like Bruce Willis. <laughs> I remember one with the cab driver. I remember there was yeah, a short that was the with... one. Yeah, because I thought I was like, this is a lot like the Fifth Element. Yeah, uh, and I kind of. And I kind of just miss the old days, you know, with animation, with anime in general, in that, you know, like a lot of newer shows just don't do it for me because I, I just feel like, God, I miss the days when we had anime that was willing to experiment with different genres. I kind of miss the days when, when anime was ripping off like HR Geegers and stuff. For, for Oh, I'm uh, sure that those are still existing. It's just they may not be on like mainline or mainstream streaming websites. Because um, I don't doubt that at least the at the very least mangas are being made about that sort of thing. Um, and even even Stuff like, uh, I was in The Ones Within, and uh, I've read kind of a synopsis of, like, where the manga story goes. And, I mean, that even gets dark, and it's just a bunch of teenagers. And so I feel like there 
are stories that lean into like visceral horror and uh, psychological horror. Like my favorite anime of all time is Paranoia Agent, and it's pure psychological horror and uh, almost like a thriller kind of. And uh, I love stuff like that. Um, and that and Paprika. Have you seen Paprika? Paprika? Oh yeah, Paprika's amazing. I kind of oh, just so wish. Good. It's <laughs> I, so good. I saw a parade one time where they were like in real life, like using gigantic puppets, and I was like, "This looks like Paprika." Um, I was stoked about it. I sent it to my boyfriend because he and I both love that movie. Um, so no, I still feel like you can somewhere maybe find the visceral stuff and like the not just visceral as far as like gore, or, like horror or anything, but just visceral as in like hard emotions and stuff it just may not be uh on the major streaming channels just because like you said you know like the ultimate goal of uh any kind of company or streaming service or anything is to be making money obviously and um if those shows are not what's selling right now then i don't blame them one bit for going with uh stuff that's a little fluffier maybe a little more fantasy stuff that isn't as hard-hitting um, because again, you know, everyone's just trying to make money and it's one of my friends told me, uh, Thaddeus, he said, they call it show business, not show friendship. Well, yeah, because it, <laughs> it, uh, we're starting to see more and more streaming services like, uh, pick up anime. Like it doesn't matter what the genre is that like, we just want exclusivity. We don't care what the show is about. We just want it to be on our, on our streaming service so people can can sub to the streaming service and you know it's like hey you want anime here's anime that you can only find on netflix or hulu or <laughs> or um crunchyroll or the funimation uh, app i don't know if that's still around by the time this re- uh, recording yeah, it is. yeah okay yeah. i because I, I, I don't i don't it's not available here so i don't <laughs> you know i don't know oh okay uh yeah that makes sense okay so uh yeah oh man i didn't even think about that um because yeah i stream I've got the app on my phone, and that's how I stream it. Like, if I'm, like, doing stuff around the house and I'm, like, watching a show, I'll just, like, have it on in the background watching it and stuff while I'm, like, cooking and whatnot. Do you watch any of the shows you're currently working on, you know, because the the dubs are, like, only usually, like, when the, the simul dubs are usually, like, uh, two episodes behind, so do you watch the episode in Japanese to get ready for, for the, for the session? If I have time. If I have time. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Um, also, I know some people who suggest not even watching the Japanese at all because then you have preconceived notions in your head coming in of what the episode is going to be like, whereas the director might decide to take it into a different direction, and then you're stuck in this idea in your head of what it's going to be like, and then it's not that, and so you're actually worse prepared than you were had you not watched it. So basically what I'll do is, like, if I'm going in and I know that I've, like, booked a character, uh, usually what I like to do is just watch, like, a few little clips of them just to kind of get an idea of their energy. And then also uh, reading about them on whatever wiki is available just to kind of get um, what's going on behind them and what their, uh, over like, what their goals are in certain seasons and stuff like that. So um, I try to not just sit and watch every single show that I'm in before, like, it comes out, just because I feel like that might hinder me almost to a certain degree. Plus, if it's, like, a scene that's, uh, you know, kind of risque, you kind of don't want to go in there and be like, yeah, um, I watched the episode, and there's this scene that I'm not comfortable with, do you know, doing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Luckily, I haven't encountered anything like that. I mean, I would say the most risque thing I've been in um, is probably Keijo, 
And uh, that was like early, early, early on, um, probably in like my first or second year of voice acting. And uh, I think that was probably the most risque I've gotten so far because even though uh, Elulu is very well endowed there and there are obviously like boob jokes and everything like that it's uh there and I'm not saying that Keijo isn't but these are all played for laughs and so I feel like there's almost like this innocence about her but in Keijo it's like yeah we all have like tit powers and butt powers like it really just doesn't doesn't pull any of the punches it's it's not trying to be like oh but also cute um no keijo is more most likely the most fan servicey thing i've ever been in but it was a blast nonetheless like i have no trouble with doing stuff like keijo you know magic of editing anyway um (laughs) what were we talking about before the um a group of ninjas came in and we had to fight them off so that's why yeah oh gosh i mean it was rough they were your place and mine i don't know how they coordinated the attack but it was rough uh, you know, speaking of anime, because uh, Lord knows <laughs> this is not, you know, can't get enough of it. Anime discussion. This is what people tune in for. Anyway, uh, speaking speaking of anime, like, what is your favorite anime in the past? Like, I don't know if you watched any of the recent shows, but like, what is like your favorite anime? What you're currently watching right now? What I'm currently watching right now. Um, I've, for the last two years, I've told myself that I'm going to be catching up on My Hero Academia, (laughs) but I haven't because I just don't have time for anything. Um, but, uh, cause I also work at the radio station and I teach, uh, audio production at the college. And so I get home and I'm like spent. And, uh, yeah, so I think the most recent thing that I've watched and like, uh, and this one wasn't like necessarily just because I was in it, but Combatants Will Be Dispatched is absolutely hilarious. It is so funny. Like, I was genuinely like laughing, but that's also because, like, I mean, let's be real here. There's a lot of dick jokes in it, and I am a sucker for a just all out crude humor. <laughs> and that's a lot of what that show is. And so it brings me joy, <laughs> it sparks joy. <laughs> Well, even though Agent Six is a total dirtbag, he's a lovable ter- uh, dirtbag, and uh, Brendan does a fantastic job making him lovable. Because boy, everything Six says is slimy. But then you end the show, and he's like your favorite character, and you're like, "How did you do that, Brendan?" <laughs> but he did a fantastic job, man. He made everybody love Six. Uh, I haven't seen it because I'm like, eh, you know, it, JC staff, no. Sorry, <laughs> I'm still still bitter about One Punch Man season two. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, I like. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. But I mean, like, you know, I'm not I, I'm entirely just... sure what you're talking about. Uh, what happened? Because uh, J C Staff is the is the animation company that did um, that did Combatants Will Be Dispatched and. Uh huh. And they kind of were responsible for, you know, One pen, one Punch Man Season 2, which wasn't very good. You know, look up Aww. One Punch Man Season 2 animation and, you know, compare it to the first uh, season, which was done by Madhouse. And... Yeah. They yeah. Just Aw, that's a bummer. <laughs> I, I have not watched uh, One Punch Man. Um, and I didn't know, you know, that there was any studio shift or anything betwixt the first and second season. But, yeah, I can definitely see why that would be 
like jarring for somebody who really enjoyed the first season. Yeah, it's especially sad because I'm someone who's very picky when it comes to anime, but One Punch Man was like the first show I like one of the first animes I watched in years where I'm just like I really love this. It is it is so well done, you know, from start to finish. Like season 1 is just really well done and Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, kind of sad. Mean, I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. And even my friends who do watch it, they're like, you need to watch it. And I'm like, I know. I have like a backlog of anime I need to watch. Um, but like yeah, how... I'm, I'm really... Oh, go no. ahead. I'm sorry. How big is your backlog? Um, trying to think. Well, if you're counting all the seasons of My Hero, pretty long. Uh, but as far as like ones that I really, really want to watch like all the way through... Um, and again, these are just because I don't have time to, unfortunately, because um, a lot of these require like attention and everything. So I would say <clears throat> I do want to watch. Um, I've heard really fantastic things, nothing but actually fantastic things about like Azure Lane. And so I really want to watch that because I do think it tells a really great story. I just have not watched all of Azure Lane. Um, and I voiced two characters in that one. And uh, then, let me see, uh, all of the rest of My Hero Academia and uh, Parasite. Parasite's one that I really want to watch. Oh, Parasite's really good. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it is really good. Uh, My favorite, uh, one of my favorite things that I've ever been in, like, ever, was the Junji Ito collection. Even though I know it got mixed reviews and everything, um, because... Uh, Jinji Ito's art style is so hard to recreate if you're trying to go for like an animation that like goes out weekly because there's only only so many lines you can draw in a short amount of time. I mean, it takes Jinji Ito years to draw his illustrations, so trying to animate those would be so hard. And so I feel like a lot of people felt like they got um, sort of jilted on the art style but truth be told i still love the anime just because i know the source material like the back of my hand i mean i'm a huge jinji ito fan and so i can see uh where like even though if the anime is not showing it i know what the source material looks like and so i can kind of like put the two together in my head and so mending those two styles for me wasn't a problem and so i really like the junji ito collection because it's cool seeing all of these stories come to life not just come to life though but also like come to life with the voices of my friends like that's actually such a cool experience I mean, it's not the worst Jinji Ito adaptation. I mean, the the shark one was even worse because. Uh, Gyo. Yeah. We I did not, we love did not talk Gyo. About, we did not talk about the anime adaptation of that. <laughs> it is. It's awful. So gross. <laughs> awful. <laughs> I mean, Gyo's freaking gross. It's the worst man but i love it oh my gosh i gave it to my friend to read and he's like i could not do this i'm like i know it's bad like yo is not something you can pretty up it is not a pretty story no i think the grossest jinji ito story was the one with the guy with the holes in in all over his body ew oh yeah yeah yeah. where his eyeballs like falling into one yeah yeah and just i i do not look that up on 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 uh on Google image search, if you're, you know, if you have the, well, what was it? What is it called? The fear of 
Trypophobia. Yeah, trypophobia. Do not look that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yucky. I think the grossest one that I've ever seen. Uh, Gio is not the grossest one, even though it is really nasty. Uh, the one that grosses me out is the one where they live in like the house of oil. Have you seen that one? Oh, or read that I, one? I've seen. I've seen bits of it, and it's just. <laughs> no, I don't want to read it. I forced myself to read it because I'm like, I'm gonna read all of Junji Ito stuff, but I don't want to do this one. And I ended up making myself read it. And by the end, I was like, I feel like I need to take a shower. And uh, it was just, oh, it was so gross. But I loved every second of it. He Again, he's like my favorite manga artist to the point that his stuff is almost like graphic novel type stuff. Yeah, because I think what makes his stuff good is that, you know, he doesn't stick to just one genre of horror. He do, He's done body horror. He's done psychological. He's done, he's done you know, serious uh, character drama. <laughs> Right, and everything that he does really feels like larger than life, and that's one of the things that makes his stuff so scary, I feel like, is that um, every single character in his story is just a normal person at some point that has been pushed into some odd situation or some deadly situation out of their control, and they can't do anything about it, and so it makes it feel so much more real that uh, these people that are just like us are going through this insane experience. And I feel like that's what makes part of it so scary because like I'm a chicken whenever it comes to like horror video games specifically. Um, I don't know why I love horror movies. I love books. I love the Junji Ito collection, the nastier you can get the better, all of it. I love it. But for some reason, horror games freak me out. But here's the thing is games like Dead Space don't freak me out because I'm a space marine. Like, I can take these guys. It's fine. I And plus, I've seen the thing. So it's like kind of whatever to me. And so the fact that Junji Ito's stories happen to normal people and not space marines, that's what makes them scarier to me. Yeah, because it's not like the problem I have with like a lot of modern horror is that they put these characters, they, they put characters who are like soldiers or what have you in these situations where they wouldn't be out of place. Now, if mm -hmm. you put someone, you know, who isn't a trained combat Marine in a da dangerous situation, that's more scary because they're not prepared. I, I, w I remember watching uh, severance, which is a, uh, you know, a British mm -hmm. movie. Uh, basically it's the office meets like, <laughs> uh, 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 what was it? What was it? Uh, cabin in the woods, basically. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Where it's just basically like, uh, you know, company retreat, they go to the wrong place and they get hunted down by, you know, crazy, you know, people and like gotcha. there, there's this whole revelation where you know they take out the killer and they think it's one guy and then they go outside and then they find it's a group of people that is just really, really messed up and really got to me because it, it's a situation that you know you just ask yourself like what would you do in this type of situation and and the characters interact in in ways that you know you would expect them to in you know act in those situations because they're not trained space marines they're not badasses they're just like you know <laughs> they're just office workers on a company on a company trip <laughs> i think i've actually seen that now that i think of it my my boyfriend and i constantly watch horror movies um and so i feel like that one feels feels similar but i don't know i might be mixing it up with another i watch a bunch of horror movies it's like my favorite genre of anything Except for video games. Again, I'm a chicken on those. There's a Yoshi level that I can't even play because it's too scary for me. <laughs>
I rarely get scared when it, when it comes to video games. <laughs> Gosh, man, I can do anything but. It's so weird. I don't know what it is about video games, but I'm just like, nope, nope, anxious enough already. Don't need this. <laughs> I guess because with video games, you're in control, where whereas in when you're reading something or watching something, you're just like experiencing it. From, you're just experiencing it from the character's point of view. But with video games, you are in control and. I think that's why I hate it, is because I don't want to make the choices. I want to watch other people make bad decisions. Like, <laughs> I don't want to make bad decisions and that end up in my death. <laughs> well, you know, that that's pretty much life, isn't it? Don't make bad decisions. Well, yeah, yeah, up. you're right, actually. I don't want to take a series of bad decisions that end up in my death. Um, that's what I've been trying to do for the last 33 years, and I've been pretty successful, so I plan to keep up my streak. Um, been pretty good at keeping myself alive. <laughs> Speaking of horror movies, what are some of your favorite horror movies? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, how much time you got? <laughs> no, I like, um, I would say probably um, my favorite horror movie just because, uh, I don't know, I it's one that I can quote endlessly, even though it's a bad movie. It's not a good movie. The 1999 House on Haunted Hill with Chris Kattan of all people in it. I don't know why, but that is like one of my favorite horror movies ever. And I think it's just because it's what got me like back into horror movies whenever I was younger. And then after that, I love 13 Ghosts. I love Street Trash. I love, um, I think it's called Society. There was one that was called Society. Um, like I love a lot of the, oh, The Thing. The Thing is so good. And um, I mean, I could go on. It Follows is also really good. Um, there, I, the problem I have is I feel like a lot of modern horror relies on boo, gotcha, rather than like creeping horror, which is one of the reasons, even though I wouldn't necessarily call it horror, even though it kind of is, uh, color out of space. Have you seen that? Oh boy. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know i love stuff like that though where it feels like unstoppable and oppressive kind of like it follows i liked color out of space just because it was absolutely ridiculous and nobody could play that role other than nick cage yeah i mean the problem is like you know you go into nick most nick cage movies is like you know he's either playing like a really subdued serious role or sometimes he doesn't even talk <laughs> and or yeah. he's just crazy nick cage like there's no middle ground anymore and i'm just like well but here's a question for you can anyone else do that other than nick cage and pull it off not really <laughs> Exactly. There's a niche for him, and he's filling it perfectly. <laughs> well, I mean, he has to, considering he's in like he's in massive debt, and that's why he'll take anything. Yeah, because what did he buy? Like a stolen T-Rex skull or something? I can't remember what that story was, but yeah, he's like majorly in debt, poor dude, and it wasn't even his fault. Yeah, because it's like, why is he making so much movies? Oh. <laughs> yeah, poor guy, man. Like I said, it's, that's... It's a rat race, man. You gotta, like, make your money. But truth be told, I think he's doing just fine doing stuff like Mandy. Because that's, like, that's the stuff I feel like calls for a person like Nick Cage, you know? I mean, I guess so. Because, like, I think one of my main problems in, in general in the past couple of years is that uh, Hollywood has done such a piss-poor job of building up new stars. And that's why they keep relying on bringing back all, all these old stars that, hey, you remember... Remember, if you're if you're someone who grew up in the '90s or '80s, you're gonna bring back all these old stars because we did a 
such a poor job building up, you know, any new stars that it just, you know, you end up having people who are in their like late forties, early fifties playing, <laughs> playing characters that are supposed to be in their thirties. I see. I see. Well, hey, you know what? If I can be in my late forties, early fifties, and still playing those in voice roles, then I'll be set. I'll be happy if I can do this until the day I die. So I ain't gonna hate on anybody in their forties and fifties trying to pay the bills. Uh, but I, I understand what you're saying, though. Is that um, you know, as far as like new up and coming stars go, how who do you feel like should have been pushed more? Uh, Sean Harris should have been pushed more. Yes, he should have, because I don't know who Sean Harris is. <laughs> have you seen um, Possum? That's a great mm, psychological yeah. horror movie. But I'll write it down since you said that. Mm-hmm. I'm he, was, that. he was King Arthur in The Green Knight. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, then I know who that is. <laughs> but I mean, I uh, mentioned him because he, he he's such an underrated actor. And, you know, he was also in Creep. You know, 2004 Creep, which I, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler character, <laughs> but, you know, he was great in that. Yeah. Uh, no, I really did. Uh, I loved uh, The Green Knight. That was, a, that was a unique movie for sure. I wouldn't say it was the studio's strongest movie, but still saying any movie from them is not their strongest movie is still leaps and bounds better than a lot of being what's being put out in Hollywood right now. I mean, say what you will about A24, but at least like they're one of the few people left that were willing to take chances on, re- who are willing to experiment. And I'm just kind of oh, like... Oh, no, that's exactly what I mean, is, you know, even the movies of A24 that are like not their strongest movies still hit way harder than a lot of what Hollywood's putting out right now. So mad respect for A24. Yeah, because like it's it's one of the few ba- one of the few studios left that are willing to take chances on creators and... And I said this even before Green Knight came out. I said like this is going to be the most polarizing mo- movie of the year. It's going to be like, it's going to be a case of people are either going to love it or people are going to hate it. And mm-hmm. I was right. <laughs> like, yeah, was, yeah. Yes. No, like there is <laughs> no middle is ground yes. when there is no middle ground when you talk to anybody when it comes to Green Knight because yeah. people either really love it or really hate it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm part of that middle ground, though, because I don't have a hatred hatred for it. But I'm also probably not going to watch it again. I don't, and I'm like haven't thought about it since you brought it or like until you brought it up. So I watched it and I enjoyed it, and I like still really liked parts of it. I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody, but you know, I enjoyed how it ended for sure. Um, but then, like at the same time, I'm just like, eh, okay. Well, it's also based on a book, so it made me want to read the book more than anything. And we just don't, and then that's another thing is that we just don't, we're not getting any more adaptations of novels anymore. It's all just, you know, wherever the, what's the hot new fad that people are crazy about? Let's make a movie about that. Mm-hmm. When there are so yeah. many novels that are begging for movie adaptations. <sighs> But no, then we get movies like Unfriended and stuff. Oh no, you didn't love the movie that they did on Zoom? That was great. That was I that know, was right? a, that was that was that was the future of horror, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Watching horror through a webcam. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, I don't mean to completely shift the topic, but this made me laugh so hard, like internally, that I need to laugh externally. So it's like. So it comes out of me. So, of course, obviously, uh, this is very sad. Um, Norm MacDonald, he passed away. 
and it says trending with Norm and trending with Turd Ferguson <laughs> from Saturday Night Live. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love that people are paying tribute to him with the name Turd Ferguson. <laughs> That's my inner eight-year-old laughing at that because Turd Ferguson is still a very funny name for me. <laughs> a turd in general is a funny word. I'm sorry. I don't care who you I are. Agree. Like... I agree. I 100% agree. Like, if, like, I really love the term turd. I don't know why. And that's such a, like, immature thing for me to say. But it makes me laugh every time I hear it because it's just a dumb-sounding word. Even if it was, like, talking about something else, like... Like if there, if it was not referencing poop at all, and there was just a pillow brand named Turd, it would still be funny because it's a doofy sounding name. Like I, I saw an email at work one time, and this guy that had gotten like CC'd on it, his name was Chard, like C H A R D, and that is a name that I will never forget. <laughs> his name is Chard. Some words just sound odd to say. <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty sure that. Oh God, that that dude has to have the nickname Charizard. I I don't care who you are. If your name is Chard and your name is and your nickname is not Charizard, something is wrong with you. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> God, we have gone way off topic. <laughs> People were just I'm like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, you're probably gonna have to edit so much of this out just because we've been chit chatting about nonsense. That's like, like. I don't, I, I'm questioning, because I feel like I'm a boring person, and so I'm like, I'm questioning if anyone even cares about this part of me. Um, but yeah, super off topic, so I apologize for that. No, I, no, uh, it's, I it's, tend, it's fine. I tend I, to I, rattle. No, no, it's fine. I love having conversations instead of just like, uh, what's your favorite role or what, whatever. Like, right, I want, right, I want to have conversations. Good. I don't, I don't want to just be like a Q&A session, because you can just yeah. go to a con for that. Right, right. And, you know, I feel like the best inter interviews, like, and interviewers know how to, like, spring off of questions and stuff like that and not follow a rigid script and everything. So that's good. I'm glad that you see it that way because that's the radio jock in me coming out is, uh, you know, interviewing people and everything and having to, like, learn how to do it because it's a skill for sure. Oh, no, I still go back and listen to some old episodes, and I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> that is a good sign, though, because I listen to my old acting, and I'm like, oh, boy. Um, I listen to my old auditions, and I posted something about it on Twitter, and it's just Hank Hill with headphones on. And he says, mother of God, it's all toilet noises. And I'm like, that's me listening to my old auditions. But that's a good thing because it means you're growing. It means you can recognize your mistakes of the past and move forward past them and know what you can do better next time. Hey, I mean, if I survived, like, if I'm still doing it, you know, two years later, I must be doing something right. If I'm still getting people to exactly. come on here, I must hey, be doing man, something. Live like a fraud. Like I said, you know, live like a fraud. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, feel like, because uh, that's the thing is I feel like if you love what you do, and you really, really love what you do, and it's something you do out of passion, it's that's whenever you're always setting the highest standard for yourself and that's where you're going to start feeling like a fraud is because you're setting that bar continually higher and higher for yourself which is both a good thing and a bad thing especially if you are a creator like um somebody who has a podcast or somebody who's an actor or any artist in general uh is that 
you have to constantly keep moving on and keep getting better and keep improving but you also it's really really important to acknowledge the things that you have already achieved and uh, I had a fellow just tell me that um, never to measure your success but measure your achievements because those are tangible um, success looks different to everybody my one of my friends versions of success is he wanted to get married and he recently did he has nothing to do with voice acting or anything um, so success looks different for everybody and as far as you know some people are concerned I have already reached the peak of success and uh, for me I just count my achievements rather than calling myself successful or unsuccessful because again that's sort of a amorphous idea of what success is so I count the achievements and I feel like that's like the uh, curse of any creator is that you will never feel like you're doing your best just because we're so hard on ourselves and so uh, but I feel like again that's both a blessing and a curse because it's great to be moving forward but you also do have to take time look back and say no these are the things that I have accomplished here is where I've improved I have tangible evidence of this and you do because you've been going back on your old podcast and thinking oh man I do not sound great on those and trust me I listen to some of my early roles and I'm like who boy yeah, I'm not going to watch my episodes in this show um, because I, I, I like blush when I hear them. I'm like, Lordy, I'm glad I took some acting lessons. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sometimes it doesn't even matter because like I, 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 I'm not someone who usually uses the word success. I usually don't. I mean, I'm not because it sounds very braggy, you know, very braggy. I, I personally yeah, feel because... Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think acknowledging the fact that you have had success in certain things, like, for instance, uh, auditioning for the roles that I've booked. I've been successful in those. But yeah, I agree with you as far as like measuring success. You cannot fully measure success because everyone has a different yardstick for success and also if you uh go around calling yourself successful that's almost implying that you haven't grown and like growing constantly is super important if you feel like you've learned enough then you're wrong yeah no i i'm i'm personally still learning because right right I, no I, and i wasn't implying that you were or anything like that i i'm just adding to what you were saying is that you know anyone who thinks that they're finished learning I mean, there's always something else out there that you could be learning. And so that's my whole, like, focus on voice acting and everything is just, um, you know, acknowledge what I've done, but don't stop there. And plus, you, you know, if you just if you get caught up on something and you're just bummed out about it and thinking, you know, I, I should have done better, you're not going to move forward because you're just going to always going to be stuck in that point in time where you're just going to be thinking about, oh, I, I, I messed up. You know, during that moment, that was my one chance to make it big, but I didn't. And, and you will eat yourself alive over it if you allow yourself to. Um, and I've I've done it whenever, uh, like, I sent off a bunch of auditions and I just hadn't booked anything. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, this is, uh, this is, I, I'm terrible at this. I'm, I'm awful. I'm not successful or anything like that. And having um i don't know i feel like we're just we put this pressure on ourselves to succeed and uh and yeah so like i know that 
the fact that I'm going back on my old stuff and seeing places where I could be improving is a good thing overall, just because, you know, again, I feel like it's uh, the only person you're competing with is yourself. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I, I can only do so much, really. Right, like, right. You know, if an episode is bad, then okay, you know, that well, me and, and that... Me yeah, and, that and I've person. always heard the best you can is good enough because it is. You did your best. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why it sometimes bothers me when you know because I I mentioned this before, but I recorded a really terrible episode, and you know no. the guest was was just not a good person, and you know they just sent me this really rude email after the Oof. episode was done, and I and I had no intention of uploading the episode because I'm like, well, that sucked. I, I, I'm not going to waste people's time uploading this. I'm not going to waste time re-listening to this and editing this because it's it's bad it's a bad episode but then i got you know i I looked up (laughs) i just went back to my email and i got read that email and the fact that this person had the the uh, the the gall to tell me that i wasn't ready to interview them when i've been doing this for you know three plus years now is just like (sighs) Who are you again? (laughs) That's really frustrating because that sort of attitude really like stamps out content creators. And I feel like if there's anything that content creators, whether you're an actor, an artist, any kind of entertainer, a podcaster, anything like that, we should be lifting each other up. I can't imagine living in a reality where I'm like hateful for to people, especially like, like telling people they're not good at what they do. That's, like that's crushing man that's terrible um no i i I couldn't imagine that i'm sorry that you got that email that sucks (laughs) yeah and 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 they wanted me to respond like they they even tried to 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 bump it up and saying oh you know please respond Mm. to i'm I'm not responding to it like get your goat yeah yeah yeah, i'm I'm not i'm not doing that because that's so frustrating. Because I, 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 I wanted to, like, I was really angry. I'm like, you know, I... <laughs> I yeah, but you know yeah. that's what they want is a reaction out of you and not giving them that is, like, the ultimate power move that you can do in that situation. And also the more mature thing, because otherwise it's just going to lead to a back and forth that gets nobody anywhere. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I, I, I was, ironically enough, I was really mad today about something, and I just said, you know what, I'm not going to bother with, with this person because... Like they, they they are not worth my time. It's not worth getting upset about, you know, <laughs> this person because, yeah. like, you know, what one douchebag on the internet is like whatever. You know, it, it's it's the norm yeah. at this point, really. I mean, yeah, everyone's got that keyboard courage. Um, and by the way, I'm sorry if I'm not super inter- I I hope I'm not turning into a bad interview because thing is, is like I I wake up early and so like I'm a. I'm a sleepy little thing sometimes, and so I'm sorry. I've, I'm like Grandma Christie over here. I'm hoping that I'm, like, not being too boring or, like, meandering from topics because, again, you know, I know everyone's uh, – people listen for the voice acting side of it, and I feel like I've just totally derailed our conversation, so I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine because, like, look, I've had conversations where we don't even talk about voiceover. I've had people okay, on here where, where we just talked about toys for, for an hour and a half. Hey, man, you got to – stuff like that's interesting. And finding, like, what people are genuinely passionate about is really fun. Yeah, because – because, again, like, there's just – personally, because to, to me, like – there's only so much you can cover when it comes to voiceover because I've had anime people on here and 
I've already, right. I've already, I've already went through the ins and outs of dubbing and all that stuff. And, and I honestly think, you know, if you want more, more, uh, better anime interviews that go in in depth you know go listen to other shows because or hell go watch some old panels because they really go in depth when it comes to when it comes to dubbing because i'm only on a limited schedule and uh, i only have like limited time sometimes and i just kind of forget to to ask sometimes (laughs) yeah no that makes sense that makes sense yeah and also again like you said there are only so many things you can ask about voice acting especially if somebody's a big fan of anime they already know the process of like beeps and everything like that and so really um you know after you get those questions and you know get everyone's unique answer to it after that it's just kind of going from there because again like you said you know there's only so much you can talk about as far as voice acting goes (laughs) That's why I just don't like it when people come on here and just like, you know, oh, we're doing, you know, a typical interview. I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, I don't well, like case, typical interviews. Welcome for derailing the conversation than me being a total talkative person. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, because I, I like I, I get it. I get it. Like people sometimes come on here and, and they only have like limited time. And, you know, it's like, OK, what are your questions? Blah, 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 blah. And then they're out of here. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I've had that happen before. But at the same time, it's like I want to get to know the person a little bit better because I find I find like these little interactions or little talks or, you know, interesting because, well, I, I personally feel like we don't have interesting conversations anymore. It's all just yelling at each other on social media or <sighs> yeah, I mean, what have I try you. to do everything to stay out of everything on social media especially since i'm actually in the media and so like as a radio personality i'm you know qualified as a media person and therefore i represent our station um and also um you know i have to really be mindful of what i say because and that's why i'm like so weirded out about my twitter account being nsfw marked Um, is that, like, I have not posted anything on Twitter that I would not post on the air, or that I would not say on the air. And that's why that was so confusing to me, so it's got to be the Alulu picks. Um, But anyway, yeah, so um, uh, I I try to stay so out of stuff. At this point, I, I get on Facebook for work, because I have to post stuff on Facebook for work. But other than that, I'm just like, eh. No, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this today. And I'll tell you what feels really good. Not being on Facebook. Anything but being on Facebook. Getting a root canal feels better than being on Facebook sometimes. Oh, I said this before many times, but if I didn't have to promote this show, I wouldn't be on social media. I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here. Same, though, same. I mean, <sighs> man, nobody wants to hear your, you know, somebody's racist uncle's take on anything. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) I would just rather not see that. And luckily, Facebook, you know, you can mute people or unfollow people and block people. So they give you quite a bit of control over what you see and stuff like that. But for the most part, I just keep my Facebook pretty locked down. And, like, I keep up with, like, my sister posting pictures of her niece and stuff like that. But that's pretty much all I do on Facebook aside from work stuff. Um, Most of the time I'm on Reddit. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're not the first person I've had on here who's like, I, I only use Facebook because I just want to keep up with people from oh, yeah. from the family. And because I'm like, and it makes sense because, 
I just sometimes wonder, like, why would anyone want to be on Facebook anymore other, other than talking to their family members? Because what's the point? It's all old people. That's the point. They, uh, old people Facebook is just the funniest thing I've ever seen. Just people being old on Facebook and not knowing how to use it. Like typing in like as a status, like they're Googling something like cookie recipe. And that's like their status update. Old people Facebook crack me up. And like pretty much the only people that you'll see like getting on Facebook a lot these days are people who just want to argue. Um, I know somebody who like his like pastime is like getting on Facebook and arguing with people I'm like you have a kid maybe go like take her to the pool or something <laughs> like instead of sitting there on your phone being a keyboard warrior um and so yeah like there's a there's a lot of stuff that I just try to avoid and stay out of on the internet and I all I do especially since I'm not like really able to say anything um I just since I can't say anything because of my job that's particularly seen as controversial one way or another, um, I just donate to causes that I feel like uh, suit the values that I also want to support. Um, and uh, so I'm like, you know what, since my radio job, I can't say any of this, but I'll darn sure use the money to support things that I think should be supported in charities and whatnot. And that's how you should do it, honestly, because it's like if if you're stuck in a position where, you know, you can't say what's on your mind. And believe me, I, I, I said this before on, on the show, it's getting harder and harder for me not to come on here and just make this show just ranting and raving about every terrible thing that's going on in the world. But uh... <sighs> yeah, there and which there never seems to be a short supply of. But then again, that goes back to. Um, you know, stories about squirrels in the park don't pay the bills. And so, uh, there's something that they say in newscasting, which is extraordinarily unprofessional, but true. If it bleeds, it leads. And so all the, all the nasty stuff comes first. And that includes, uh, war and shootings and bombings and everything. If it bleeds, it leads. And that's why everybody puts clickable links everywhere that have, you know that whole uh, media thing, and God, as a me as a member of the media, I hate the freaking media, <laughs> like because it all is very clickbaity, and everyone's just looking for that almighty dollar. They're looking for that click, and the headlines are always like really, really explosive headlines, which is frustrating. Um, and I just, ugh, man, if I see a headline that's irritating, and it's like clearly misleading, I don't even click the article because I'm just at this point, I'm like. You know, what's the, like, I don't want to read something that's obviously going to try to, like, rile up its viewers. So, no, it's trying too hard to get me to click it. And so I try so hard to stay away from stuff like that. I keep myself informed. You know, I don't want to keep my head in the sand. But you can only do so much of being online before you just start hating reality. <laughs> yeah, no, I fell for it today where I'm like, oh, this video looks interesting. And, yeah, oh, <laughs> you no. can it, I only clicked on it because it was a video talking about a show that I feel like what wasn't being talked about. And I'm like, oh, cool. Someone made a video about this show that, you know, I am not seeing a lot of people discuss. And I watched like 15 minutes of it before turning it off because I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. We're, we're going it... there. <laughs> we have oh, to. No. Like, what is it about modern YouTubers and having to remind you subtly that they're terrible people? Like, what is, what is that? Oh like, 
what is what is that you mean oh my gosh because there are a couple where i'm just like i'm like i enjoy their content i enjoy their content and then i'm like wait that was a really bad take like hang hold up hold up a second like that was what did you just say pardon like uh and so yeah i i'm with you on that that there are a lot of modern youtubers out there that are um luckily finally starting to be outed especially the ones who are like predatory and stuff like that like those are the creepy ones um i watch a lot of uh youtubers like i love uh curtis connor and drew gooden uh they're the purest people i feel like and they're so funny to me and so i love watching them because uh they are you can tell that they're like genuinely like happy well-adjusted good people and i they're really fun to watch because they cover um some really like unique and also funny topics in a really great way because they're both comedians i believe and so like they have a great take on and a, a genuinely funny take and not just like ooh hot take trying to get a reaction out of people um no they take a very funny approach to it and so i'm always watching curtis cotter and drew gooden and in and case you don't know who drew gooden is he's the one that says road work ahead uh yeah i sure hope it does that's drew gooden <laughs> No, I mean, it's good that you're watching content that isn't, you know, made to get people riled up. And yeah. Lord, know, Lord knows YouTube needs more of that these days more than anything uh, else. Man, even I, it's so funny because, like, people are so mean on the Internet that I, like, intentionally don't go and, like, Google myself. Um, because uh, not looking myself up online is self-care because everyone's got an opinion and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Do I want to hear that somebody hates me? No, but that's their right to hate me. But I ain't going to go looking for it either. And I'm definitely not going to start a war in some YouTube comments. That's, that's for sure. I don't know. That's the thing is like people's opinion of me is pretty like, obviously, you know, I try to put forth as much positivity as I can without, you know, going into like toxic positivity or anything like that. Um, but as far as like, if somebody, if I'm just being myself and somebody does not like that, that's up to them. And if I feel like, you know, I haven't given them any reason to not like me and they haven't come to me and said, Hey, you offended me in this way. And I need you to like, like apologize or anything. If they haven't come to me and they just all of a sudden just don't like me, I'm like, well, all right. I said this, I mean, I've said this like many times, but like being an anime, uh, an English actor who does anime these days must be very stressful because you have to deal with so much negativity. And I just don't, I don't understand why we're still having these discussions. Like it's not 1998 anymore, you know, dubs are dubs are fine, you know, watching dubs dubs is fine. (laughs) And that's the thing though, is like, I like there is a lot of like uh like there's a lot of like you said back and forth about dubs versus subs and the thing is is like anyone who doesn't like dubs is automatically not going to consider me um as somebody that they appreciate or somebody that they like and that's fine I don't need I don't require like people to like my posts or anything like that because I genuinely love what I do I joke about this but i'm only really half joking which is uh like i uh i'm surprised they pay me because i just love doing it so much and so you know i'm not in it for like the followers or anything and the haters out there that like 
you know, they're not going to be happy with any of the English VAs because they're not the original say, which is, you know, their opinion. If they don't like the way I sound in a role. I mean, I got a lot of pushback from uh, Dragon Ball Super, actually, because uh, Universe 2, even the director, before I started recording, he was like, hey, so I'm just going to let you know uh universe 2 is not the most loved universe and i'm like bro i'm in dragon ball like do you think i care that's awesome like let him hate and so i i am not about to even start caring about that people don't like this character in dragon ball and people have said her voice is really annoying which that's fine by me um because it's the difference between the way the best way i can put it is it's the difference between a stranger walking up to you and being like, you're ugly. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, thanks for your input. Cool. But rather than somebody who like comes up to you and they're like, you're a bad person. Like that hurts a little more. And so therefore somebody like hating my voice is not anything that is in my control. I sound the way I sound and I cannot control that one way or another as far as like outside of my range, you know, I can't sound like, uh, other actresses or most, you know, almost any other actress, unless I have like a voice match with me or something. Um, but like, that's fine if somebody doesn't like my voice. So as far as like people who, uh, go and be nasty and stuff like that, I mean, I just kind of try to kill them with kindness because ultimately there's no sense in getting into it with anybody. And if somebody's not going to be happy with, you know, the English job of something, um, I don't expect them to. And I un I see both sides, and I'm actually not offended. I feel like people are scared to tell me that they watch uh, subs rather than dubs. And I'm like, no, like, do your thing. Like, whatever works for you. Um, just because I'm a dub actress doesn't mean that I am uh, demeriting subs. It's all a matter of preference. And as long as somebody's, like, not mean to me about it, I'm like, cool, yeah, you, do you. That's your thing. I don't care subs or dubs. Doesn't matter to me. Um, it's wonderful, the dub watchers, because, you know, I have a lot of very, very wonderful, incredible mm. fans. Like, it is a privilege to have these people. I And I'll get on that here in just a second. But, um, no, that's another thing is, like, you know, I have all these, uh, you know, I have fans and stuff. And even that is mind-blowing to me. And so, like, if someone appreciates the dub and they appreciate my acting, that means the world to me. But if they like subs and they don't know who I am, that is their choice. And I fully support it because sometimes you just have to have a preference. And some people appreciate the uh, more direct translations of the subs. But uh, speaking about fans and stuff, oh my lord in heaven talk about something that I am not emotionally prepared for because like that the the fact that my fans have been so absolutely wonderful to me I'm just like my body doesn't know how to handle that I'm just like what do I do with my hands because I'm just I like it it baffles me and it's so funny because like um like I I had a really 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 sweet person uh write me like an actual handwritten like letter and send it to the radio station that I work at. And that sucker is on my fridge because it meant the world to me. And the thing is, is I feel like um, as, uh, you know, me, I've been in the fan's perspective before. And even just acknowledgement from somebody that I, that I look up to is like, oh my gosh, this is such a big deal to me. And then like whenever I have fans 
who are like show love towards me and are appreciative of me, that honestly like means more to me than I think it might to them even because it might mean the world to them. But to me, I'm just like, oh, my heart, this is too much. It's too much love. And I am beyond appreciative of it. And I'm not trying to be all sunshine and rainbows or anything like that. It's just seriously like the fact that I have even just one fan not to, no less you know the fans that I do have even just having one is phenomenal and I'm just like what, what do I do with this and so it's really really cool that um you know even though there are people who are going to prefer uh dubs or even or subs or even if there are people who don't like my take on a character it's all their opinion and I'm not going to try to argue with anybody about it I'm not going to go and seek out negative opinions about myself and if I do come across one you know it's 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 something where it's like I will never meet this person in real life and so their opinion of me it weighs like not a whole lot if if they're like hating on me and stuff especially my voice because I can't change that um, and so it's like, yeah, you do you, buddy. I'm not like super upset by it or anything like that. Um, because with anything that you do, including I'm sure what you've do, what you've done, uh, you're always going to, you can't please everybody. You're always going to find some kind of hater. And so it's just kind of a fact of the job. So there's a really long answer to your, to your short, short, uh, question <laughs> or, or, you know, our short discussion. I tend to rattle. Uh, I have a tattoo that says never shut up for a reason. <laughs> No, it's great. Yeah, you know, like I said before in a previous episode, the less talking I have to do, the better, really. Because <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> this is not. It's not about me. Each episode is about you know showcasing the individual guest. That's not about me. Well, I very much appreciate that, and uh, you know, I I don't know that I've I will ever be able to really express how it feels to have the fans that I do because. It is an absolute privilege, and I don't know that I will ever be, I, I'm, and I, this sounds like such a PR thing, you know, it sounds like I'm being Miss America, you know, we're all peace, but I'm like, I, it's so weird because I'm just like, the fact that I have affected people and the fact that I have affected people in a positive way is everything that I've always wanted to do is just I've wanted to voice act and I wanted to reach people with it and the fact that I'm getting to do it and the fact that I have you know reached one person and I know I've reached far more than that at this point but you know even just reaching one is unreal to me and it really is just like I can't believe that I'm getting to do this and getting to versus having to are two completely different words and uh, I think that's um, I think that says a lot because I noticed this whenever I was talking to my boyfriend one time about it, which is if I'm ever going to the radio station, oh, I have to go to the radio station today, or I have a, I have to go to a live broadcast this weekend. Whereas whenever I'm talking about going in and voice acting, I'm like, oh, I get to record today in your closet. So get to is the, is the thing versus have to. And honestly, every bit of voice acting that I feel or that I get to do, including auditions that I don't book is it's always a get to thing. It's never a have to thing. It's always a, oh my gosh, I am so stoked to do this. I like mm, passionate about it, but I could rattle on and on about it. But again, like you said, uh, <laughs> you know, you're interviewing voice acting and there's only so much you can say about voice acting. And I could rattle on and on and on about, you know, like how 
incredible it feels to have this job and how incredible it is to have the fans that I do and how just phenomenal everyone has been and responsive to me. And I just, I could not ask for more because it's just, it's, I mean, <laughs> I, it's so funny growing up a little kid in Durant, Oklahoma, a drive through town in Southern Oklahoma, 20 minutes from the Texas border, back as a little kid, Christy. And I wanted to be a voice actor, but I never told anybody because in Durant, Oklahoma, it's, we're known for the casino, you know, we're not known for voice acting and so I was like how is this little little kid that's way too into cartoons ever going to actually be a voice actress I'm not going to go anywhere and then I get to do this and I'm just like who would have thought that this little kid because I mean honestly saying that I wanted to be a voice actor in Duran, Oklahoma sounded closer to like I want to be a princess like it just doesn't sound real and then I got to do it and that's why I started sobbing and people were staring at me in the middle of Allen Outlet Mall Sorry, I, I left on an odd note there. <laughs> <laughs> odd way to end the episode, but you know what? You know, you do you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. I wish I didn't do it, but it's like my superpower—just crying and everything. You know, everyone's got their thing. I cry. It's fine. <laughs> I am kidding. No, uh, it's again going back to what I was saying though. Like the times that I have happy cried throughout my career. Um, are <laughs> uncountable just because it's such a privilege to get to do what I do. Anyway, it's about, I think about, uh, it's about time we wrap this up cause <laughs> I got to get going. Um, oh, sorry. I'm also just being really boring about talking about crying constantly. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, so before we get, we get out of here, where can people find you to bother you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at grandpa underscore trout that is a story for a different day i guess uh and then also on instagram uh let's underscore shake l-e-t-z underscore shake i'm a big no more heroes fan and yes it is after the assassin let's shake from no more heroes one uh voiced by uh, I believe Robin Atkin Downs, who is a fantastic voice actor. Weird that uh, you picked Let's Shake and not and not Doctor Peace. Doctor Peace was the best assassin in that game, <laughs> <laughs> and sadly the quickest to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you played that game, though. I love that game. I, oh no, I'm a huge Suda Fifty One fan. So, oh heck yeah! <laughs> have you played the new one? I don't have a Switch, so. Ah, man, I've started playing the new one, and I'm trying so hard to avoid spoilers. Um, but one of the boss battles, I'm just like, I have no idea what to expect about this. Because if you played the first one, you know that it's uh, <laughs> that the names have nothing to do with the actual boss themselves. Like, if I were to tell you, hey, what boss do you think Speedbuster would be? You think, okay, well, it's like somebody who's really fast. or blah, blah. You don't expect an old lady with a shopping cart. And so the boss names almost are completely irrelevant to what the boss actually is or does. And so there are a couple of them in the new game that I'm like, I have no idea what I'm getting into, and I love it. And let me just say before we go, um, best character introductions. Every time you go into a stage, it says the character's name and shows you a silhouette. Love that oh so much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's another reason I love Let's Shake is his whole thing is you're chasing him down a hallway and you don't even really know what he sounds like because it's like 
let's shake across the floor. And then you know, all you hear is just this amazing laugh. And it's just this awesome, awesome cackle. And you're just like, what am I getting into? And then he's like this dude with a mohawk and like he's got the bandana tied around his face. I was like, this guy rules. And then, oh, um, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's funny is during the pandemic, I did buy a uh, bandana because I was like, I didn't have a mask at the time. And I was like, hey, I got a bandana in my house. And if I ever had to go out, I would wear it, um, you know, because anything's better than nothing. And uh, I had a mohawk at the time, and I was like, finally, I've become Let's Shake. Even though that wasn't the intention, I was like, ooh, got some Let's Shake vibes happening right now. Uh, I just want to correct, too. It wasn't Robert Atkin Downs who did Let's Shake. It was D. Bradley Baker. Oh, okay, never mind then. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I really thought it was him. I know he voiced Travis, but I, I thought he also voiced that character, too. My bad. <laughs> it happens anyway <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time off to come on here and derail the conversation about, <laughs> about random crying. stuff yeah but... i mean honestly you can cut the crying part out because that really was like a super <laughs> derailed conversation um i just it's something that i always like i it, <laughs> It sucks because anytime that anything good happens, like I have to explain, like, no, this is just what I do. Sorry. And I went way too far in depth about my habits of crying. So I apologize for about that. Uh, all but right. At the uh, very least, for a role, I can cry on cue. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Well, I would appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you inviting me to have me back and that I haven't just totally tanked your entire interview. <laughs> It's fine. Anyway, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye.